Hello and welcome to Afternoonified, the podcast that's recorded live from a magical forest. I'm Emily. And I'm Sarah. We're getting horny. I don't know why I decided halfway through that uh, to do a fairy tale voice. I don't think that's a fairy tale voice. I just didn't do my regular voice. I, mm. That's as close as I get to doing voices. Yeah. I, I mean, we're no Avalon. Cast him in Trolls too. <laughs> Avalon Leonetti will be in Trolls 3. <laughs> the reunion tour. I don't know. Because it's not Trolls 2 anymore because of that god-awful fucking movie. Oh, Troll 2? Yeah, it's Trolls World Tour. This I am aware of because I do listen to the McElroy podcast. Oh, I'm just a really big fan of the Trolls franchise. It's because of Ron Funches. My niece had a Trolls-themed birthday party once. Ooh, but lots of poppy, I assume. I honestly, I wouldn't she, know. She's the little pink one. Yeah. I mean, they're all little. Sure. They're all little. Speaking of my niece, have you looked at the Instagram story for Afternoonified? No, um, I'm going to do that right now, on air, not cutting anything. I mean, that's why I waited to bring it up until we were recording. <laughs> I showed you that um, Star Wars video with Ben Feldman in it, right? Yes, okay. you did. <laughs> wow. Wow, spoilers. That is such big spoilers. <laughs> that's what I was doing as I was waiting for you to get set up. Taking pictures of the unicorn. Oh, we're talking about unicorns today. Oh, yeah, that's, um, if you don't follow our Instagram, well, too bad. And it will probably be gone. Lost. By, it'll be gone by the time you hear this. Definitely. They'll have totally forgotten about the unicorns before then. Does one ever really forget about unicorns, Sarah? Clearly not, since we are 30 years old and talking about them. I am 28, you old, old woman. I round up. You rounded down for yourself. <laughs> well, I can do that because I'm 31. <laughs> Right? Yes. Okay. I just had to remember. Make sure. Oh, my God. When you're my age, Emily, you start forgetting I mean, things. I will be your fucking age in like three years. <laughs> my dad thought I was 25. Yeah, that tracks. Okay. So fucking unicorns. Not fucking unicorns. That actually doesn't come <laughs> up at don't. all. Um, Good. It is not recommended. I feel like that wouldn't end well for anybody. Oh, there's a lot of horns. Yeah. Just not advised. I'm going to do my caveats before I source. Uh-oh. I wrote this episode while I was in the middle of post-production on the Christmas special, so if it's not spectacular, that's your own damn fault. Are you addressing me or our listeners? The listeners. <laughs> also, I focused more on magical properties involved in unicorn lore as opposed to stories across the world, mostly because they're all pretty much the same thing. I mean, it's a horse with a horn on its head. Basically. End of episode. Yeah. There we go. That was our episode on unicorn lore. Uh, so please uh, rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> this is a mini-sode. It's the perfect length for a mini-sode. Okay. So the word unicorn comes from the Latin phrase for one horn. Webster's Dictionary defines unicorn. <laughs> uh, so my sources are uh, Fantastically Wrong, The Weird, Kind of Perverted History of the Unicorn by Matt Simon for Wired. Uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, and How Unicorn Horns Became the Poison Antidote of Choice for Paranoid Royals by Hadley Mears for History.com. Those all sound like excellent articles that I would like to read. They are very good. 
Also, very long article titles, which... Is fun when you have to cite them out loud. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think these men... Men? Yeah. Uh, expected people would be doing that. <laughs> Maybe in, you know, academic papers. Okay. So, yeah. One horn. Uh, these creatures didn't start out as beautiful white rainbow mane creatures that we all know and love. Interesting. As a matter of fact, they were horrifying. Oh, boy. My favorite kind of unicorns. So the Western image of the unicorn comes from the Hebrew Bible. Uh, during its translation into Greek, a Hebrew... Hebrew? Hebrew boo 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 boo. Uh, anyway, uh, a Hebrew word for wild ox was changed to a Greek word that people interpreted as a reference to either a unicorn or rhinoceros. Basically the same thing. Yeah. Uh, in Numbers 24.8, for instance, and I quote... <laughs> Oh my God! Are we actually quoting from the Bible on this podcast? God brought <laughs> God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. Sounds like a metal fucking unicorn. Yeah, unicorns are badass. Also, uh, I love the difference between your fairy tale voice and your Bible voice. Yeah, they're <laughs> it's the voice of God, Sarah. Although unicorns were thought to be fierce fighters, they were also symbols of purity. Um, and perhaps this is why the ancient Greeks and Romans had associated them with virgin goddesses, such as Artemis, whose chariot was said to be drawn by eight unicorns, <sighs> continuing her streak That's of so being cool. the best goddess. I don't want eight, a chariot pulled by eight unicorns. I am torn between this and uh, Fre Freya's. Yeah, Freya's. Fre uh, oh, with the cat. With yeah. the two big fucking cats. <laughs> Oh, man. Unicorn chariot or cat cat chariot? I mean, right? I don't know. I feel like unicorn chariot has more of like an awe factor, but a cat chariot has a cuddle factor. I feel like cat chariot is definitely more on brand, personally speaking, for myself. I don't know. Big cats exist. Unicorns don't. True. Of course, then you have to like defend yourself. I mean, like, these aren't just horses with uh, ice cream cones stuck to their foreheads. <laughs> These are my land narwhals. Um, I do love that you have pointed out uh, nine minutes into our recording that unicorns aren't real. Oh, yeah. Unicorns aren't real. <laughs> just, just in case anyone was wondering. Yeah, uh, they're not. Um, it's not even like with Bigfoot where it's like, it might be this. They just don't exist. I'm glad someone else can be the buzzkill for one. Well, the concept of the unicorn uh basically hinged on someone translating something from the Bible so it made sense in the language they wanted it to be in. Right. I feel like mistranslation of the Bible has caused a lot of problems. Oh, has it? <laughs> I, I don't mean, know. Just a couple holy wars. <laughs> the unicorn thing's pretty funny, but the rest of it is, ooh, boy. Yeah. Um, theoretically, the unicorn referred to in the Hebrew Bible was actually like some kind of ox that had gone extinct in like the 17th century. Right. So over in the East, they had a more complicated relationship with the unicorn, which they also called the Kirin. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Uh, its appearance was said to foretell the birth of a royal baby, but could also predict an imminent death, which... Yeah. Oh boy, that's six a, of one, half a dozen of the other. So that's kind of a toss-up. In the 15th century, a giraffe was brought to China for the first time and presented to the emperor as a Kirin, which was a real fucking gutsy move, considering it's maybe letting the royal know that he was going to die soon. 
Yeah, interesting. You'd want to time that correctly. Like if you had a young wife and you're trying for children, like if but if you're like kind of older, past the childbearing thing. Maybe just don't bring the royalty you're visiting an animal and tell them it's a thing that could be predicting their death, regardless of age. It's a bad gift. That's fair. This holiday season, remember, giraffes are not toys. Shelters across the nation are filled with giraffes. <laughs> You're getting nothing but giraffes for every Christmas <laughs> no. from here on out. I, granted, I have an owl tattoo. Um, I have gotten an excessive amount of owl stuff because of that rule where <laughs> if you say you like an animal. Oh, yep. And then everything from there on out. Luckily, you chose wisely with Mothman. <laughs> Mothman. I'm regretting not saying foxes. Mm. They're more in right now. It's easier to find merchandise. I say they're very trendy. Owls have kind of passed. Owls were a thing for sure. Now it's fox. I wonder what the next trendy animal will be. Um, oh, fuck. I, we're starting to move into... I mean, goats had their moment, which was weird. Mm. I don't know. Dogs are really having a renaissance. Yeah. A dog-assance. A macadana... No. <laughs> I tried to um, combine McConaissance with dog, and it that didn't work. That would be a dog that's voiced by Matthew McConaughey, which, yes. I, you know what animal I would like to see have a moment is the quokka. What is that? Um, okay, you're going to need to look it up. I think it's spelled Q-O-K-K-A. Q-O-K-K-A. Or Q-U-O-K-K-A. Oh, oh, those. Yep. Yes. I feel like they deserve to have a minute. <sighs> I'm sorry. This is the rest of the episode. You just keep talking. <laughs> I'm going to just scroll through Google Images. Anyway, so this Oh, guy- here's a picture of one with Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yeah. They're, uh, I think they're from Australia or New Zealand. Uh, Aust- oh, my God. This one's my I like how you said a picture of one with Chris Hemsworth. Like, it went to the premiere of the Avengers <laughs> in Australia and, like, caught him. Not Chris Hemsworth sought out a quokka. Oh my god, this one has a Twitter. <laughs> Emily, stop whatever you're doing. I am You mean you... the episode? The episode we scheduled. <laughs> no, stop. I don't care about unicorns anymore. Write an episode about the quokka. And we'll talk about that for an hour and a half. How about we do a mini later where we talk about the animal we think is the cutest? That's and- a great idea for okay. mini. I claim this one. It's fine. A weird animal we think is the cutest. So I will be taking the axolotl. Oh, is that the... Oh, I love those too. They look like a little Pokemon. Yeah, we actually had one when I was little. What? Yeah, my dad had one. I didn't know you could like buy oh, them. Shit, yeah, they're great pets. As pets. They're super chill pets. I want one. Um, possums, also cute. Possums deserve to have their time. I... Oh my God, I love possums. This We are so off topic. Okay. <laughs> So, oh my god, one day, <laughs> sorry, there's one here with Cookie Monster. Again, the quokka did not go to Sesame Street. The quokka is the one having the meet and greet in this Comic-Con situation. Okay, okay, I need to close this tab or I'm never going to do anything the ever The quokka is the Mark Hamill here. The other people are the neckbeards going to see it. What's up, Mark Hamill? Uh... Well, wait, I do have to reopen this tab because I got to save it so I can uh, post it to the Instagram. 
So this fucking dude in the 15th century brought a Chinese emperor a giraffe, said it was a Kirin, which predicts the death of royalty or the birth of a baby. Anyway, the emperor was like, no, that's not a Kirin. <laughs> it's a fucking giraffe. And uh, he would live for another 10 years. Well, that's good, at least, that you didn't die. Yeah. So that's... I mean, can you imagine if someone did bring a giraffe, said it was a unicorn, and then the king died? I mean, technically, it's... Like, just how badly that would go for I mean, that not person? well. It's not good. It's a bad look. Don't do it. Um. Anyway, so that's kind of where the eastern part of the world was um, on the unicorn thing. So around 400 BC, Greek historian Cetesius, Cetesius, there we go. Why put a CT? Anyway, Greek historian Cetesius wrote of a wild beast in India that had a single horn and fought elephants. You can see where I'm going with this. He described that sounds cool. He described it as the size of a horse with a white body, purple head, and blue eyes, and on its forehead was a cubit, a form of measurement. Long horn, uh, colored red at the pointed tip, black in the middle, and white at the base. Like a Neapolitan ice cream cone? What Neapolitan have you been eating that is red, <laughs> black, and white? Well, Neapolitan ice cream was pink, black, or pink, brown, and white. I So it's not that far off. Well, it was a rhinoceros. What rhinoceroses have you been looking at? I don't know. <laughs> this, I mean, that's what he probably saw. A wild beast in India that had a single horn and fought elephants. And had a purple head. I mean, they're gray. It could look purple in certain lighting. And if you think about it, if it had a dirty horn or a diseased horn, and then it, like, stabbed something with its, no its like, tusk? What is it called? A horn. A horn, yeah. Then it could have been red on top. Do all rhinoceroses have... Because I thought some have two horns. Do only some have two horns and others have one horn? You know, I didn't do a lot of research on rhinoceri. Rhinoceros. This, this is... Rhinocerum. Uh, I'm... Rodentia, that's the word. Not for rhinoceros. <laughs> I was Multiple yeah, I was listening to the Adventure Zone and Justin said Rodentia and I was like, that's not a fucking word. And it is. So he saw a, a rhinoceros. Uh, he also believed that unicorn horns were magical objects objects used by Indian princes to make potions against poisons. Uh, his stories later inspired the writings of Aristotle, Pliny the Elder, and Claudius oh, and Alias, motherfuckers. Uh, who all said words to the effect of drinking from the horn protects against diseases and poisons. So, Pliny the Elder. Certified banana pants hero of the people. <laughs> Your friend and mine. He once described in his uh, Nature Encyclopedia a unicorn, and this is going to be a direct quote, I assume. It's been translated. Um, so the unicorn, Pliny wrote, is the fiercest animal, and it is said that it is impossible to capture one alive. It has the body of a horse, the head of a stag, the feet of an elephant, the tail of a boar, and a single black horn three feet long in the middle of its forehead. Its cry is a deep bellow. I really wish you could see the look on my face. So sadly, Pliny didn't employ much of a filter in the veracity of his writings, so people took this and all of his other opinions as fact for 1,600 years. This tracks with everything I know about the human race. And Pliny the Elder. <laughs> uh, in the 7th century, the scholar Isidore of Seville chimed in, noting that the unicorn is, quote, a very 
or the unicorn quote is very strong and pierces anything it attacks. It fights with elephants and kills them by wounding them in the belly. He also helped to popularize the myth that catching a unicorn is impossible unless you have access to a virgin woman. Ah, uh, yes, the old chestnut. Quote, the unicorn is too strong to be caught by hunters, except by a trick. If a virgin girl is placed in front of a unicorn and she bears her breast to it, all of its fierceness will cease and it will lay its head upon her bosom and thus quieted is easily caught. Gross. It's just got to flash it. It's just a way for dirty, dirty hunters to see some boobs. I, I mean, this tracks with what we know about men. <laughs> oh, for sure. Humans had some very dumb ideas about animals. Um, uh, yeah. Well, some other mythologies surrounding animals from the time uh, include the advice to steal a tiger cub. A hunter must grab a bunch at once and make off on a swift horse. As their furious mother closes in on him, he drops a single cub, which the mother snatches up and takes back to her den. She thus returns to the hunter for one cub at a time until he escapes on a ship, ideally with one left. You'd really have to, like, plan that out. I mean, it's dumb because, one, how are you going to grab, like, eight tiger cubs the and then tail. jump on your horse? Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, in most myths and folkloric traditions that surrounded uh, unicorns during the Middle Ages, uh, said that the unicorn's power is focused in its horn, which is thought to immediately eliminate poisons as soon as the, the tip touches liquid. So you can imagine how that worked out for them. Uh, unicorn. Hmm? Sorry, I'm just like, this has been a question for several minutes now, but like, how do people come up with this? Like, they're, because clearly unicorns don't exist. I understand, like, they probably saw a rhinoceros and assumed, but they, at some point, they got to be realizing they're just making this shit up, right? Because you've never interacted with one. Well, you've never actually, there's no evidence. Um, I'll kind of touch upon, like, a possible scenario in a second. Okay. Um, it doesn't explain all of it, but it's, I think it's one of those he said, she said, telephone, like. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what I assume is like someone wrote it down. So along the way, like someone assumes that that is just correct. Yeah. Um, but uh, like at some point, there's still like no one's had direct experience with one. No, it's a yeah. lot of, I heard. Uh, so unicorns were often represented by rivers, lakes, springs, fountains, and a common thing is that they caused other animals and people to wait for them to finish their magical purifying work before they drank. So, seems only polite. Yeah, and I believe that's also where we get a lot of good van art featuring unicorns <laughs> next to waterfalls. So, the unicorn's power to cleanse water was detailed in a 14th century interpretation of a physologist, which is a bestiary to the best of my knowledge was compiled by an unknown ancient Greek author um, set at a large lake where animals congregated to drink a snake poisoned the water, but a unicorn made the sign of the cross with its horns. So the poison became harmless and the animals could drink safely. A very godly creature then. Well, yeah, actually it was uh, taken upon as like a representation of uh, Christ in the middle ages um, because of its purifying properties and it being white and pure and all of that bullshit. Yeah, that, yeah. So. I can see how that would go. Emily theory is that someone was in Africa or India where rhinos live. Again, rhinos. And a snake like rocked up to the water, did some snake shit, I guess. And then like a rhinoceros was the first animal to drink again out of it. 
And since it's a watering hole, one snake isn't going to poison it. No. So I was going to say that also betrays like a deep misunderstanding of how snakes work. <laughs> <laughs> That's the episode of How It's Made I want to watch. <laughs> how snakes work. Actually, I did watch a uh, Nat Geo documentary about King Cobras. Because I was like, I'm going to learn about snakes and I'm not going to be afraid of them anymore. And it was the wrong documentary to watch for that. Mm, King Cobra ones, maybe not. Um, because I watched a male King Cobra beat the shit out of another male King Cobra over a lady. Realized that the lady King Cobra, Queen Cobra, uh, had already mated with the male that he chased off. So then he murdered the lady. Just like Jesus. people. And then he tried to eat her, That's but she was too dark. big, so he just spit her out and, like, walked, not walked away. That would be horrifying. <laughs> oh, God, no, her legs. <laughs> anyway, that's top of the list of documentaries not to watch when edibles are involved, just for everyone's reference. <laughs> I was going to ask if there were uh, substances involved that's in this decision. mainly when I watch documentaries. <laughs> Although I did watch... You should, uh, high recommendation, it's on uh, Disney Plus now. Uh, eat an edible and then watch free solo. No. Are you kidding? I won't even go up on step ladders sober. <laughs> um, on Thanksgiving, not stoned because we were at the in-laws, but I did watch a Disney documentary about bears um, that was narrated by John C. Riley. And let me oh. tell you, it was a heartwarming tale. <laughs> I mean, I did keep expecting the bear to talk like Joaquin Phoenix, but... <laughs> I would say, is this a documentary where all the bears are voiced by John C. Riley? Because I would actually, watch that. he did do like a a little bit of dialogue for what they could potentially be saying. <laughs> like, I'm so cute. like, mom, mom, I caught a crab, mom. So unicorns, <laughs> welcome to the animal hour. That should be what the uh, episode just titles like unicorns and also a lot of other animals. Um, okay. So while we're talking about the physiologist, the bestiary I was talking about. Um, oh, yes. Back to that. Bestiaries tended to hold a certain reverence for the natural world, much like a uh, Richard Attenborough. Um, but they ascribed attributes of humans to various animals. So the beaver, for instance, was said to chew off its own testicles when pursued by hunters. And then... Why? So it could... <laughs> throw them... Are you okay? <laughs> it chewed off its own testicles so it could throw it at the hunters who were pursuing it. <laughs> uh, and an asp could... Asp could resist the snake charmer's song by putting one ear against the ground and plugging the other with its tail like it's in the fucking jungle book. Oh. Part of me wishes I could live in a time where someone could present this idea to me and I'd be like, yeah, that's something that really happens. Oh, and then that's the reality you live in. Uh, as a result of these stories and myths, unicorn horns were perceived to have Powerful healing properties as antidotes to viruses, which made it one of the most expensive remedies during the Renaissance. Thus, it was used extensively in royal courts. Um, in Odell Shepard's 1930s book, The Lore of the Unicorn, she writes that unicorn horns were also known in the Middle Ages as alicorns. Which, if you Google that now, you will find that an alicorn is a Pegasus unicorn. <gasps> 
Double the magic. Actually, that's literally the lore in My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. That the flying ones have double the magic? No, only princesses are alicorns. Because there's there's unicorns, which do have magic. uh, Land ponies, which are just horses. Ponies. And pegasi, which can fly. But if you are a pony with wings and a horn, you are a princess. Interesting. That's a very, I wouldn't say complex, but a very, like, (laughs) hierarchical... Um, yes, it was a big, big deal when Twilight Sparkle got her wings. Oh, I'm sure that was very heartwarming. It was. I very much enjoy that show. Especially the episodes where Patton Oswalt is a guest. Anyways, uh, alicorns. Uh, so regarded as one of the most valuable spiritual assets that a king could possess, horns could be purchased at apothecaries until the 18th century, and they were commonly found on display in Cabinets of Curiosity, which are their own fucking episode because holy shit, people. I, yes, I would love to hear more about those. Uh, they actually just have Aaron Mankey's in them. <laughs> just full of Mankey's. Just full of Mankey's. I don't know if that's a deep cut or not. Um, <laughs> I feel like we've now referenced Aaron Mankey like four episodes in a row. <laughs> I mean, not my fault in the in the uh, astrology episode. No, that one's on Sadie. That's on Sadie. And I guess the other one... So we have all each referenced Aaron Mankey once, which is a little less bad. If we... Oh, no. Once this episode airs, he's just going to appear. <laughs> oh, God. It's lore time. <sighs> this is the dumbest episode. Oh, my God. It is God. the dumbest episode. <laughs> it's It's what we in the business refer to as a filler episode because we needed one, and it was my turn. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so alchemists working for royal families and uh, nobles used horns in their production of alchemy and plant medicines. Just a bunch of little Harry Potters out there. <laughs> uh, unicorn horn was most often infused and ingested to fight the symptoms of rubella, measles, fevers, and generic pains. How did that work out for them? It didn't. Parisian monks gave it to lepers to facilitate their wound healing and prescribed it to nobles and royals to fight against the plague or to neutralize scorpion or viper venom. What of that going around? The plague? Yeah. No, no. The plague, obviously. I meant the scorpion and uh, snake venom. I mean, I have to assume, like, this is the time when we were just bringing a bunch of fucking animals back from, like, Indian stuff to be like, look at this. Oh, right. And people just keep them in their houses like weirdos. Yeah. Or have their own little, like, Royal Zoo. It was probably the small fortune that royals paid for these objects that really kicked the placebo effect into overdrive and caused some of the reported cases of healing. Right. It's like, I paid thousands and millions of dollars for this, so of course it worked. Oh, it's only going to get better, my dude. In the 12th century, Abbess Hildegard of Bingen's medicinal and scientific writings recommended an ointment against leprosy made from unicorn horn and egg yolk. She said that wearing a unicorn leather belt would protect a person from the plague and fevers and alleged that unicorn or leather unicorn skin shoes drove diseases away from the feet. Most likely because you were wearing fucking shoes. I was going to say because you had shoes on in the first place, which is not a guarantee in the Middle Ages. Many medieval offers, offers, uh, many medieval authors devoted entire works to the medicinal properties of the unicorn horn, including Andrea Bacci's 1573, The Treaty of the Unicorn, which would be the most amazing movie that hasn't been made yet. (laughs) Um, Actually, the full title is The Treaty of the Unicorn, Its Wonderful Properties and Its Use. Yes, I can imagine the treatment of that would be just stupendous. 
Uh, and the famous French surgeon Ambroise Paré's uh, 1580s book of discourse on onicorn marked what some historians see as the beginnings of the experimental method. Hmm. Just putting it in everything. Like chia seeds. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, have we not replaced the unicorn horn with other bullshit? You know, now that you say it, you're probably right. Like, just stuff that we... There was... We went through a garlic phase in the 90s, and seaweed and collagen bullshit. My face wash has mushroom proteins in it. Reminds me of, like... I see, like, the charcoal charcoal face washes and, like, charcoal toothpaste, and I'm like, is the charcoal actually doing anything? It does, actually, um... Or is this just... Well, no, charcoal does absorb things. Like, it's not going to do okay, fair. a ton in, like, a, a toothpaste, as far as I know. I could be wrong. Uh, but in terms of, like, a face wash, if you put it on there, like, charcoal or even a nice clay is going to draw oils and, um, like, bullshit out of your face. So don't use it if okay. you have dry skin. That does make sense. Yeah. It, um. It's if you have, like, a super oily T-zone. You can just slap some charcoal on there and it'll kind of, like sop it up for you and i was just struck me as very marketing thing to do it is now um it doesn't do shit in your food no i guess if you take a couple charcoal tablets before you go out drinking heavily it might help a little but also stomach acid exists and drink some water you fucking drunk the only real cure against hangover is just stay fucking hydrated that's the whole that's what hangovers are you're dehydrated you're dehydrated and tired because you can't sleep or some people sleep really hard. I personally can't sleep when I'm super drunk. I, and it's been a while since I've gotten like really super drunk. I always like sleep very hard, but then wake up really early. I just came back from New Orleans. I have been very drunk recently. <laughs> so the unicorn held symbolic association with virginity and became the incarnation of God's word, innocence, and the divine power on earth. In royal circles, unicorn horns were considered uh, highly sacred relics and were normally mounted on a silver uh, sulcles, which is a short base for a pedestal sculpture, that kind of thing, uh-huh. uh, and presented as trophies. I mean, yeah. people suck. As you would. We'll get to how they had a horn to display later. I mean, I've got a pretty good idea, but I'll, I'll wait. Yeah, keep that shit to yourself. Um, they also appear in various historical resources, including the Council of Trent, the, Saint, the Saint-Denis Paris, uh, the Saint-Denis Cathedral in Paris, Westminster Abbey, um, Pope Clement the Seventh, yes, Pope Clement the Seventh, offered a unicorn horn to King Francis of France at the wedding of his niece in 1533, and the Grand Inquisitor Torquemada, you know him. I do? Spanish Inquisition. Uh, okay. Grand Inquisitor Torquemada noted that he always, quote, bore his unicorn horn to protect himself from poison and murderers. <laughs> <sighs> it actually is a bummer when you find out where these horns are coming from. I mean, yeah. Uh, in 1587, French physician, yeah, uh, that French physician we were talking about, Ambroy. Paré. Yes, Paré. Uh, explained that the horns were used, quote, in the court of the King of France to, to detect the presence of poison and food and drink. Uh, it was said if the horn heated up and began to smoke, then the dish was poisoned. Which, yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're sticking a horn in a soup and it starts to smoke. I mean, yeah, that I can see. Actually, no. We're going to do a little science corner with Emily. 
It's not Science Corner. Uh, bone, pretty good conductor of heat. Wouldn't you say? Like it gets warm. I wouldn't know, Emily. <laughs> anyway, it gets warm to the touch because you're putting it in hot food. And also if you're putting right. it in hot food, it will have uh, like vapor from the inside of the food if you aren't like overcooking your shit and making it really dry. And thus, that will steam. Yeah, I can see how it would happen. So if you make your food, I guess, too hot. That's the only thing is like, I feel like, what do you do then? You throw the whole soup out and then. It might not just be soup. They might be like sticking it into a whole pig. Yeah. I don't know. This is all so stupid to begin with. It is so stupid to begin with. (laughs) I'm not going to try and like follow the logic of how this might actually work because it's just so stupid. Royal households created scepters and other sacred objects from unicorn horns. For example, the scepter and imperial crown of the Austrian Empire and the scabbard and the hilt of the sword of Charles the Bold uh, were made of unicorn horn. A rare twisted unicorn horn known as the horn was gifted to Charlemagne from the Caliph of Baghdad Hmm. in 807. And it's on. Nice present. And it's currently on display at a museum whose name I can't actually pronounce. A French museum? Yes. Um, Also a fun fact. On my grandmother's side, I am related to this fucking nutball. Charlemagne? Yep. I feel like that's not uncommon. No. uh, Once you go that far back, a lot of people are related. Yeah. I mean, you can easily trace. However. Lineage back. It's all I got. (laughs) You're royalty, Emily. Mm. If that's the kind of royalty I am, I don't want to be it. Spoiler alert, all royalty is a little bit insane. Yeah, except for Meghan Markle. She's fine. She can stay. Yeah, she married into it, though. I loved her on Suits. Uh, Probably the most spectacular royal use of unicorn horns is found in the throne chair of Denmark. According to legend, the throne chair is made from the horns of unicorns, like a fucking iron throne made of death. God, how many unicorns do you have to kill to make an entire throne I mean, out of them? people were smaller back then, so, like... Fair. Less. Still a lot. I'll post a picture of the uh, throne. It gross. Uh, even the normally rational Queen Elizabeth I was a believer in unicorns. Well, yeah, because she lived in, like, 1500s. Just to, Was she the... Where everyone was stupid. Was she the one Not stupid, who, like, but... shaved her hairline and painted her face white? Was that the one? Yep. Okay, that was the Margot Robbie one. Uh, yeah, um, makeup, uh, with, that was all lead-based, I'm pretty sure. Um, and the more you, like, the more often you use it, the more you need to use to cover up your fucking face. Mm -hmm. It's... Because you're putting lead on your face. Yeah, also, she was pockmarked all hell. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway, in addition to buying a magnificent spiral unicorn horn for 10,000 pounds... I don't know if that's in whenever Elizabeth I was queen money or like normal money either way it's a lot of. i money. would say it would have to be because i feel like ten thousand pounds for a unicorn horn today would not be a lot like it would be more than that right i would hope it's actually the story of a national hero at the end of this episode oh my god i just realized the implications of it anyway so uh, Elizabeth was also known to drink from a unicorn horn cup, believing that if poison touched it, it would explode. She even requested it to be <laughs> preserved with the crown jewels. That's a cool ass cup. <laughs> it's just a drinking horn. 
very thin drinking but horn. it explodes <laughs> an exploding drinking horn uh, so the reverent belief in the curative properties of unicorn horns and gemstones, which was another thing that I can't even no. get into uh, because we are doing it again, um, began to dissipate as the Enlightenment brought advances in scientific experimentation. By the late 17th century, magic, alchemy, and astrology sorry, were slowly replaced by chemistry and science. As unicorn horns and other poison remedies underwent repeated testing, old superstitions began to die. Assuming that some of the horn being sold wasn't just a straight-up lie. Well, in a manner of speaking. What could it possibly be? The general myth of the unicorn may have come from sightings of antelope and such ungulates with only one horn, having either been born with a defect or lost it when they were fighting. Uh, less likely is seeing a normal antelope from afar in profile. Gotta be really careful with the angles with that one, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't last long if the animal moved. Yeah. Which animals don't do very often A far in more, the wild. Yeah. A far more likely culprit for original sightings was the Indian rhinoceros. And clues from about clues regarding this are sprinkled throughout the early accounts. Uh, the unicorn is sometimes referred to as the Indian ass. Uh, Pliny, for instance, mentioned that the unicorn had the feet of an elephant. And rhino's feet oh. don't have hooves, but are fleshy like an elephant's. And uh, kind of thick trunks there. Yes. and that, he also, I didn't make that connection before. Yeah. And he also noted that it had the tail of a boar, much like a rhino's tail. Yeah. And With a, a little brushy at the end of it. Yeah. And a single black horn, three feet long in the middle of its forehead, which I think Indian rhinos have. Hold, please. Indian rhinoceros have gray horns. Yeah, them bitches have gray horns. So only in later accounts was the horn described as being white, which I have to assume, like... I feel like that's the telephone thing you mentioned earlier. It's a telephone is... thing. It's probably the religion thing. Yeah. You make that shit white because it's pure. Mm-hmm. Um, the ancient Greeks and Romans had been making trips into India and bringing back tales of the animals there and uh facts started to get a little warped uh cotton for instance was said to grow in india as an actual lamb that sprouted from the ground just hanging there patiently producing cotton like a pokemon yeah and while Pliny actually did a good job of describing the rhino his popularization of the unicorn picked up more and more improbabilities as the centuries wore on mm -hmm. uh, so that explains the earlier sightings so that leaves us with the unicorn of the sea the majestic and perfect narwhal. <gasps> the narwhal. So you remember that big-ass unicorn oh. throne that I was telling you about? Yeah. It's made from Norwegian narwhal tusks. So is Queen Elizabeth's. Good joy. Yeah. I was going to say, now that it makes sense with like the curl, the twisted horn, I was like, that's definitely not a rhinoceros thing. Yeah. But of course, it would just be a narwhal tusk. Yeah. Uh, so most of the tusks sold as medicine and all of that shit in the Middle Ages, were narwhal tusks. And That's narwhals depressing. are Arctic whales possessing a, quote, magnificent spiral tusk that can grow as long as nine feet. God damn. Uh, these appendages actually serve as sensory organs like kitty whiskers. Oh. Allowing the creature to detect changes in temperature, water pressure, and other things. 
Um, to make them even more metal, the narwhal's tusk is actually a giant tooth that grows through their fucking face. Whoa, really? Yeah. That's metal as shit. Right? That'd be like if one of your canine teeth was just like, well, I'm out, and then just grew out of your lip. (laughs) Have you seen... Have you seen the episode of The Simpsons where Lisa gets braces? I have not. So we'll find this after we're done recording. But the doctor, like the dentist does this thing where it's like, so like I'm going to do a progression of what will happen if she doesn't get braces. (laughs) And it's it horrified me as a child because like one of her bottom teeth just like keeps growing and growing and eventually like sticks through her eye. (laughs) (laughs) And it's hilarious. But when you're like nine years old, like it. Very upsetting. Um, so the the mistake may have started with Viking traders who, around 1000 AD, began finding narwhal tusks washed up on the beach in places like Greenland and selling them to stupid Europeans. As you do. The trade strengthened during the Middle Ages, and here we are. Um, also, just a heads up, if you're looking to hunt a unicorn but don't know where to begin, try Lake Superior State University in Marie, Michigan. Or Salt St. Marie, Michigan. Sorry. Uh, Since 1971, the university has issued permits to unicorn questers. Really? Anyone embarking on such a search is advised to carry a flask of cognac and a pair of pinking shears. Is this like a for funsies thing or do people actually legit think they're hunting for unicorns? I did not have more information on that because it was midnight and I was tired. I hope it's the former. Also, I don't have the exact specifics on the story that I remembered in the middle of this episode. But last week or week before last, there was a terrorist attack on the London Bridge and the terrorist was taken down by a man carrying a narwhal tusk. Wait, what? Yep. I didn't hear this. Hold on. I'm going to look up the story. Why was he carrying a narwhal tusk? I didn't get that information. Yes. Yes. Narwhal tusk and fire extinguisher used to tackle London Bridge attacker. The only thing that can stop bad guy with a knife is Um, a good guy with a narwhal tusk. Exactly. Which is why we need less regulations on narwhal tusks in the U.S. of A. This is an issue I can get behind. I am a member of the National Narwhal Tusk Association. (laughs) The NNTA. So the paragraph of relevance is one man was armed with a fire extinguisher and another with a five foot narwhal tusk as people at the scene surrounded the attacker who was eventually pinned to the ground. Why was he carrying a narwhal tusk? No information. God damn it. I need to know this. It's going to keep me up at night. Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing about why this man was holding a five foot narwhal tusk. (sighs) That's not like a cool thing you put on a necklace. It's five. It's like the size of a human. Like, why are you walking around London with that? It was an antique, too, I guess. This is baffling. It is, but narwhal tusks save lives. Please uh, wait for our National Narwhal Tusk Association (laughs) t-shirts. So that is all I got for you on unicorns and unicorn horns. It's rhinoceroses. It's rhinoceri and... Narwhals. Narwhalia. Two animals that we really shouldn't be killing for their horns. Oh, for sure. Not that you should kill any animal for their horns, but... Except for devils. We're running... We're running out of them, you guys. Um, I meant to check. Are 
narwhals endangered. They are near threatened. Stop fucking killing narwhals, you monsters. Oh, Arctic foxes. Aw. Oh, walruses. Oh, so cute. While we're at it, let's just list other animals we think are cute. Sorry, they came up when I Googled our narwhals endangered. Sloths are cute. Oh, yeah, for sure. My favorite scene in any nature documentary is from Planet Earth or Planet Earth 2. When the sloth is hearing a mating call and he comes to, like, a river. And then David Attenborough is like, but there was only one thing a sloth could do. And then it, the sloth just fucking swims into frame. Oh, that puppy with the little tail on his forehead? Aww. Man, I wish I had made narwhals my thing. That would be more on brand. The unicorn of the sea. <laughs> Let's make narwhals the next big end. I mean, they're already pretty popular, but... Yeah, I mean, honestly... They should be as popular as unicorns. Um, There is a clip from Freakazoid um, where it's conversational Norwegian with Freakazoid. <laughs> and I want to say that the sentence you learn how to say is something about a narwhal. So they've been trying to make it happen. Uh, Will Ferrell had a big impact on narwhal popularity. <laughs> oh, my God. That's my favorite scene in Elf. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. Uh, as good as Elf is. Uh, anyways, so um, I don't know. If you've seen a unicorn, uh, you can tweet at us at Afternoonified. Uh, if you've gone on a unicorn hunt in Michigan, I would also love to hear about it. You can post pictures of it on Instagram at and at Afternoonified. Tag us. Uh, Facebook, Facebook.com slash GetAfternoonified, GetAfternoonified.com. Um, our email is afternoonifiedpod at gmail.com. Remember to buy merch. I wasn't kidding about the National Narwhal Horn Association t-shirts. Oh, yeah. I've been designing that in my head. Oh, good. I want it to look like an NRA t-shirt so we can really stick it to the man. <laughs> but I want it to be pastel blue. Oh, yeah. I was like, it's going to be the NRA logo, but it's going to be cute colored. <laughs> and it's just going to have a big narwhal tusk going up the middle. So uh, until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. We love you. Unicorns aren't real. Sorry. Narwhals are. Oh, hello. It's me, the ghost who haunts your phone. Just kidding, it's actually me, Avalon, the host of Boohaha, which is a thing that I do. A podcast, if you will, that happens some weeks, not all. Don't wait up, it's fine, we'll call you. Shut up. Anyway, it's about ghosts and tangents. Mostly tangents, if I'm being entirely honest. So join me each and every week-ish as I gather the funniest people I know to a campfire that I build in my living room and then regale them with spooky tales of boogans and googas. Oh, also, it's a comedy podcast, if that wasn't clear from the vibe, you know. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is as above, so below.